Um, we're on a series called Relationships, and we're talking about building godly, healthy relationships. And this is uh, uh, Chris Leafsay. He is a city councilman here in Blue Springs from District 2. He's a longtime member of Cornerstone Church. Give him a hand. Chris is going to uh, really give them really the message today. I'm gonna, just going to help him and um, interject my... Um, my thoughts once in a while, but he has an amazing message today about and a different viewpoint of how we can build relationships outside this church in our communities. And, uh, and I want you to listen because I believe God's just going to really implant some things in you because we have to get outside the walls of this church, amen? And, uh, and God has called us to be inside these walls for discipleship, for encouragement, but really real, real ministry goes outside there, Right? And so he's going to just be talking, got some good ideas, and from, I really believe from the Holy Spirit, on how we can bless our community. You know, Lisa and I, we moved here in 1993. We um, were called here sovereignly by the Lord in, into this area. And uh, I, before we were moved here, I, I, I was praying, God, I want to find my place. I didn't want to just go to a job. I didn't want to go to just an area... Because if I would have done that, it would have been Florida, okay? But, um, but the Lord led us here to Kansas City with no family. We didn't know anybody 20, uh, some years, 25 years ago almost, in November. And, um, and I'm very thankful. And I love the Kansas City area, and especially eastern Jackson County. We'll leave Kansas to some other people. But anyway, <laughs> joking. Um, but the Lord has just really called it sovereignly, and we just love the city. We love these areas all around here. And, uh, and so, and one of the verses that the Lord gave me, and I know this is really talking about the exile that Jerusalem, that um, the nation of Israel went to in Babylon. But look what he told, the prophet told ba- the, the nation of Israel when they're in exile. He says, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf, for it's in its welfare you will find welfare. So he's telling the nation of Israel, I want you to seek the welfare of a, of a godless society. Did you understand that? These were people that didn't want to worship God. In fact, it was against the law to worship our God. But he said, I want you to pray for the welfare of the city, for in its welfare you will find welfare. And so I, I believe in that, and I believe in, in getting involved in, in everything in our city, and I believe that's where the Lord is wanting us to have influence in every area of society. And so, but we have to learn to get out of, and can I just be honest with you, the church, what we call the building, and uh, get out and be, have influence outside. Now, we need the church. We're supposed to come together. We're supposed to do this. This is godly. But it's not, this is not the only part. Real ministry really is out there in the city, in the highways and the byways, right? And uh, in every area of society where God's going to use you. Amen? So let's give Chris a hand as he brings the word today. And it's a good word. Amen? Thank you. Well, actually, the Bible has a lot to say about how you interact with, about your relationship with those outside the church, your relationship with your community. And one large part of that, and uh, I, I told Sean earlier, this isn't quite relevant to what we're talking about, but I'll get to some relevancy. Because one big part of that outside of the church is your relationship with government, is, uh, is the interactions that you have in the community with government. 
And there are really two main passages that talk about uh, the biblical reason for why government exists for its purpose. It really kind of drills down to it exists to punish evil and to reward good. That's kind of its main function. Um, But there's also, there's a theme here of about four verses that I've kind of pulled out that I I want you to listen to and see if you you can hear the consistent message. Uh, Romans chapter 13, verse 1 says that everyone must submit to governing authorities for all authority comes from God and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. First Peter 2, chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 13. For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether as king, as the head of the state, or the officials he appointed. Titus 3, verse 1. Remind believers to submit to the government and its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Have confidence in your leaders. Submit to their authority. Because they keep watch over you as someone who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy. Their work will not be a burden. Because what benefit is it to you if their work is a burden? So as Christians in outside the church, as Christians in our culture, your position under government is one of submission and is one of approaching it with humility. And so uh, I told Sean, this is kind of the point that's, A, most self-serving to me because I I serve in a position of government. So there is that. It's also the one where I'm going to step on the most toes because where this can become very important is when you are discussing politics and government on Facebook. If you are railing against the government about how stupid it is that they did this, about how much of an idiot that government official is because of whatever reason, That's not a position of submission. That's not a position of approaching it with humility. And you are actually stepping outside of then the structure and the order that the Lord has placed for us to to operate as Christians. And so uh, that's not what we're talking about today. That's a a point to a point. But I think in today's society, in the culture that we're living in now, the amount of uh, rancor and rhetoric that is out there, it's important for you to know that your role is not just to complain all the time. Your role is actually there to bring a joy to the elected officials and not be a burden to them, to make their job easy. Yeah. So here's where that gets relevant, and I, I know I've like turned everybody off now already. <laughs> so <laughs> here's, here's where that gets relevant. So if you agree with these, and th- this is actually about two or three different authors of these books. There's four books. It's Paul, Peter, and whoever wrote Hebrews, which, uh, you know, I don't know if Sean has an opinion on that, but nobody knows. Yes. Some people think it's Paul. I believe Sean does not, so I don't know. Uh, So there's two or three different authors over about 15 to 20 years uh, that are writing this, and they're all telling you to submit. So if you believe that, then the logical progression of that is if you're supposed to submit to the governing authority, wouldn't it make sense that you get involved in government and you become that governing authority? It doesn't say leave the government to unbelievers That's and right. then submit to their authority. Come on. So if, you're, if, if it's true that we're supposed to submit and that's our role, then it, it follows that you as Christians, that you as believers should be involved. And that makes it a lot easier for you and me to then submit to that authority because we trust that that person is following those principles, is a trustworthy person that believes the Bible. And so that's, yeah. that's a pretty this, this logical... This gets me excited and I, I tell him, <laughs> I'm trying not to interrupt. I'm going to though. But, I mean, it's just, it's so true. Now, look at, look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Look at Daniel. Um, they were nowhere near the ability to, to do anything. They were slaves to that society. And what did they do? They influenced the king. Amen? 
because they didn't back down. They didn't change their views. Amen? They didn't change who they were, but they allowed the Lord to work through them. They didn't bow down to the king. They got thrown in the fire, yes. But God saved them, right? And see, that's what he's talking about. This is an area of influence that he goes up. And, you know, they didn't complain to the king. They didn't complain to those things. Listen, let me tell you something. Complaining never works. In fact, God even opened up the earth and swallowed all the complainers in Israel. Remember that time? That's the only thing that works. And um, complaining never works. Now, being not part of the problem, but part of the solution does. How do you be a part of the solution? Be involved Love enough to be involved. Amen? And, and look what God can do to like, like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Look what he can do. He could use you to change the direction of a nation. Amen? Go ahead. Well, and, and that's a, a great point because even in the New Testament, when Paul and Peter are writing these things, submit to the king, submit to the rulers, um, at no point in their lifetime did they know a just government. I mean, you, I can hear people saying now, well, yeah, submit to good authority, but they don't know the type of corruption that happens in Washington, D.C. They don't know how bad those elected officials are. The, when they're writing this in the midst of while they're literally writing this, it's illegal to be a Christian. They are literally being hunted for their beliefs, and they're still saying submit to the governing authority. And so and it, it just the next point is as loving enough to be involved uh, Mark chapter 12, verse 30, verse 31, it's what Jesus lays out as the greatest commandment that he's asked, you know, what, what should we do? What are the greatest commandments? And he says, is to love the Lord your God, and actually says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. And then we also know the next part says, love your neighbor as yourself. So we know we're supposed to love God, and we know we're supposed to love others. But that verse 31, what we miss is it says, equally as important as loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is that you love your neighbor as yourself. So if you're supposed to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you're supposed to equally love your neighbor with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And even if it's not just benevolence on your part that you love your neighbor, it says you love them as yourself. So however you decide, if you don't want to be selfish about it, however you decide to treat yourself is also how you should treat your neighbor. So if you love your neighbor enough, you're going to love them enough to be concerned about the types of schools they, can, they send their kids to. You're going to be concerned about whether they have clean water. You're going to be concerned about uh, you know, whether, whether they drive on smooth streets or they have a house to live in or they can pay their bills. So you're concerned about the economy and, and the job market. So if you are concerned about those things then it would follow that you want to run for school board because you love your neighbor, because you're concerned about the type of schools they have to send their kid to. And you should be involved on the public safety board because you can be concerned about that your neighbor lives in a safe community. And even if you're not concerned for their sake, you're concerned about it for your sake. I want to live in a safe community, so I'm going to treat my neighbor as myself, and I'm concerned about those things. So you should, as Sean said, you should love your neighbor enough to be involved in the community that they live in because it impacts every part of their life. Amen. That's a real important part. Yeah, love is, love is it's not just saying I love you. We do that a lot as Christians. Oh, I love them, I love the world, but we do nothing in the world. We do nothing for the world. Um, and uh, it's not just about the church and its programs. It's about you and I in relationship with the people that we say we love. And who, who should we love? Not just Christians alone. We should love non-Christians 
and treat them as brothers and sisters by faith in the Lord. Amen? That we go out and we go out there and reach them. And we, out, we go out there not just to, to bang a Bible over their head, but to really do. Love is action. That we, we, we mow their yards. Right? We pick up the trash. We serve in, in areas of government that need to, us to serve. We, we go to our city councilmen and say we're, gonna, we're praying for you. We go to our mayor and we pray for him. We send him uh, uh, um, emails, good emails. Say, I'm praying for you. That's all you have to do. And just encourage them. And listen, you can have influence in that. God can work in that because you choose to get up and to do something about it. That's what love is. So one other part about uh, we as Christians that you know, are operate and we're trying to seek the standards that the Bible lays out for us to live our lives. And two of the kind of real important standards that actually plays into to politics as well. First uh, Timothy chapter three, verse seven or first Timothy chapter three lays out the standards that an elder should have. So men who seek to be an elder, this is what their lives should look like. And one of those standards is that people outside the church must speak well of him. So we're called to have a positive relationship with a community outside the church. You're supposed to have a good reputation. And, and women, similarly, Proverbs 31 is kind of given as the biblical standard of a, of a biblical woman. And it lays out, you know, how she operates a business and how she observes and buys land and all these things. But one of those, one of those standards for Proverbs 31, verse 31, is that you let her good works bring her praise in the city gates. So she is operating in such a way that outside of the church, they have a good opinion of her. They, she has a good reputation at the city. Now, we don't have city gates, but it's essentially saying the people that in the community, they think highly of her because of how she operates. And that's a standard that has been put forth as a, the type of woman you should be or the type of man you should be. You should strive to have a positive relationship outside of the church. So it's great if everybody thinks in here that you're the most spiritual person in the world. But out there, they should have a, a good... It doesn't mean you compromise your values. It's not saying that. Right. It's saying you should live your life in such a righteous way that you have a positive relationship. And that kind of rolls into here. So, so when we're getting involved, that's kind of why you should be engaged. You should be engaged because you love your community. You love your neighbor. Yeah, it's important that we have an impact. But because once you are involved or once you seek to be involved, there's a purpose here. We do it with intention. And I think uh, we, for everything we do, we know that our job as Christians, the reason our purpose is to turn people to Jesus. In some, in some cases, to turn them back to Jesus. And so there's a couple of examples here. I think we all know that, and Sean said as much in the past, we're not going to save this country. We're not going to save our community by electing the right president. Or we're not going to save the world by passing the right number of laws or the right kinds of laws. Those are important and they have their place. But the way that you're going to change your community and the way you're going to change the country and the way you're going to change the world is by affecting the people in that community, by changing those people and being that to being Jesus to them. Yeah. And so there's three really good examples of where that plays out uh, in the Bible. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, is the concept that we're all familiar with of being ambassadors of Christ. And so what that says is, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. And catch this part, we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Another verse says, it's as though God was pleading through us, be reconciled to Jesus. 
So you are literally the representation of Christ. And this is talking about all levels, whether you're at work, whether you're at school, or if you're doing something in the community, you are actually Christ's representative, and you are literally speaking for him. And your message is, come back to Jesus. Be reconciled. And I can't think of any greater responsibility than literally being the voice of Christ in that context. You are sometimes the only Jesus people will ever see. And, and again, that's not something I created. That's a common phrase out there. So you are sometimes, you are, you are that connection. Uh, another one is that what Joe and Ron, in, uh, when they talked about a couple weeks ago, about being salt and light into the community. Um, that comes from Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. It says, you are salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. So here's verse 16. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Another translation says, so that they will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So again, the reason you, your purpose, the intention is you are in the community, you are doing good things, and they will see you doing good things and say, man, they must serve a great God because look at this person, what the good things they're doing in our community. And uh, another component of that, that's you being a light, but also you are salt. And again, this isn't a concept I invented, but you've heard it said before, salt really has two purposes. It both flavors, you add salt to a bland meal or something, it flavors, but it also preserves. And so when you are engaging in the community, that's what you are doing. You are essentially flavoring the discussions you're involved in, you're flavoring your participation with biblical principles. You are sprinkling a little morality on whatever it is you're doing. And so there are sometimes those discussions, whether you are the, the president of an organization and you have some influence, uh, you need to lead those discussions in that way. If you're just a volunteer, sometimes you need to add your voice to those discussions so you make sure you sprinkle some moral authority, some biblical principles into that, into that discussion. And sometimes you can already see they're going a bad direction. And so then you act as a preservative. You pull them back, say, no, that's not the way we should go. That's the wrong way. This is the appropriate. This is the right way. This is the the way of biblical principles. And so you act as a a preservative there as well. And there's a lot of roles that you can play or a lot of uh, positions you can be put in where those play important roles. But, again, the whole point of being salt and light of the earth is so that they will glorify God. The whole point of being ambassadors of Christ is because you are pleading with them to be reconciled to Jesus. Uh, another one that Paul kind of reemphasizes in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, in verse 31, he says, So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. And we like that part. We're doing it for God. We're not doing it for a boss or whatever. You're doing it for the glory of God. But then in verse 33, Paul says, I don't do what is best for me. I do what is best for others so that they may be saved. Mm. So you're doing those good things in the community so that many will be saved. And that is the entire yeah. point. That's, uh, there's reasons why you should, and, and then this is what you do once you're there. You're, you are Amen. Christ's ambassador, his representative into you know, the community. We talk about the kingdom of God, and we, we always think the kingdom of God is somewhere away from us or somewhere out here, but you are the kingdom of God. And you, wherever you go, the kingdom goes with you. You know that? So you have all of his protection, all of his wisdom, all of his knowledge that goes with you, all of his love that goes with you. 
So everywhere you go, it's like what he was talking about. Chris is talking about salt and, and flavor and love. And you go to influence. You go and should change the atmosphere of wherever, wherever you're at. And so when you go into places of, of politics or business or, or, or education or wherever you're at, where you're serving at, you are going to change that, that area. And for what purpose? So that many will be saved. Many will see God through you. Like he said, you're the only Jesus that some people are ever going to see. And so you have an opportunity to do something and to be, hear from the Lord and say, God, what do you want? How do, how do I get involved in these things? How do I move into to this thing? How do, I, how do I serve and where do I serve? In, in order to do that. And, and you have an opportunity to start doing that even now, uh, to serve in, in the city, in, the, in, in your, whatever city you're at, whether you're in Blue Springs or Lee Summit or Independence or Kansas City, Green Valley or Oak Grove or Odessa or Higginsville. Anybody from Higginsville here this morning? Yeah, I know Stacy's there. And uh, <laughs> so wherever you're at, you can serve. And we always think that I have to have a Bible and to get people saved. No, listen, let me tell you something. Because you have the flavor of God. You ever thought about that? You have the flavor of God. You are a born-again, spirit-filled believer. You have the flavor, the nature of God on you. People are going to look at you, and they're going to say, I want what you have. And you don't even have to even say Jesus. You will eventually say Jesus. You're going to have that opportunity. But they're just going to see how you conduct yourself, the wisdom that you have, and how God's going to move in and through you, and you're going to be able to lead people to the Lord. So Chris has some great things on how to be involved here. So that was one of the important things. Sean and I were talking about this. Uh, you know, I get a lot of people, even here at church, that have talked to me about, you know, that I want to be involved. I want to even run for office. I just don't know how. And that it's, it's not an easy thing. I mean, running for office takes a lot of steps or even getting involved. Sometimes uh, you just don't know what to do. And so there's really some, some practical things I wanted to kind of outline here. And the first one, it's really just as easy as being willing. I can't tell you how many organizations that I've got involved in just because I sent an email and said I was interested. And as I, as I thought about, you know, surrounding organizations or even churches are this way too, most of the time those groups, they are starving for volunteers. And so if you express even the smallest amount of interest, they're going to find a way to plug you in. And so it's really just as simple as that. And in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, you know, as Isaiah starting his ministry, the Lord says, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here I am, Lord, send me. And it was really just him stepping that to the position of willingness that really kicked off his old ministry, and the Lord was able to do great things through him. And uh, Jimmy Bratcher, I've heard him say a lot as he spoke here over the years, he says he had the ministry of showing up. And so it's sometimes just as simple as being willing and being there. And they're going to plug you into places that's, that's really almost the only equation of being in leadership. Uh, sometimes you get uh, voluntold of what to do when you show up. You get... That they tell you, you know, this is where I want you, this is what I want you to do. And if you want to be in a position of leadership, it doesn't take long. Because if you're there, you're willing, and you're ready to serve, they're going to find a way to put you in. But it's even easier than that. And this is, this is really, if you have completely ignored, if I turned you off about the government thing and you were upset with me, re-engage for like two minutes here because this is really what I want you to catch. Uh, this comes from, I, I went through the school of leaders, level one and level two. And one of the really, really uh, cool things about that that, I, that really caught on to me was this concept of leading out of your overflow. 
So, so I, I teach business courses. I teach management and leadership at a couple local colleges. And kind of the, the running uh, leadership theory, the running leadership models are something called situational leadership. It's that you adjust your leadership style uh, depending on the situation. You meet people where they're at, and they're going to respond. Each employee responds differently. And so you as a leader should meet them where they're at so they'll respond in, the, in an effective way. And which is good. I mean, in an organizational context, I'm still going to continue to teach that. But from, from School of Leaders, what it's telling you is that you're most effective when you lead out of your overflow, which means you just lead while you're going along the way doing things you're already doing. So, for example, if you're a guy that likes working on cars, then all you do is you just take people with you. You just take people with you, you want to work on cars. And then you are a leader out of the overflow of something you already enjoy, the overflow of your hobby, out of the overflow of what you're already good at. You are a leader because you take those people with you. Um, and the, the verse they use for that is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And it says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance to do. One of the translations says, you are God's masterpiece and that you are created anew in Christ to do those things, good things that he planned for you long ago. So uh, I, I told Sean, one of the requirements I thought about being on stage is that I had to, to throw some Greek at you, that I had to go back and look at some of this. So I did that just to cover that quota. So, so if you look at verse, uh, verse 10 here, it says, you are created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And so what I latched on there is what are good works? What's good works to me might not be what good works to Sean. So I kind of look back and see what, how, does, how does it define good works there? So the word good is the word agathos or something like that. It's, it's inherently good, and they are inherently good. They're good by nature because they originate from God. But the part I want you to catch here is that you are empowered by him. So they're good things that you are empowered by him. And then the word works there is the word ergon, which just means to do something. It means to accomplish something. But the one I want you to catch there is that it's an action that completes an inner desire. So if you put those things together, if you put that verse together, you are God's masterpiece, which means you are perfectly created by God to do inherently good things that he empowers you to do and they accomplish an inner desire that you already have. Amen. So literally, all you have to do to impact your community, all you have to do to turn people to Jesus is be willing, show up, and be who God created you Come to be. On. That's all you have to do. Amen. It's really, that it's really that simple. So now the rest of you can go back to napping. But I want to. <laughs> so, so where that reaches a practical context is so. So what that means is, whatever your skill level is, whatever your interest is, whatever your personality is, there is a way for you to be involved. There's a way for you to impact your community. So, so as I was thinking about each city, you know, they have the city council. You have a school board that deals with schools. But most cities also have what they call boards and commissions. They're essentially just advisory boards that deal with particular topics, and they advise the city council on whatever that issue is. So, for example, Blue Springs has an art commission. So if you're interested in art and that's something that you're passionate about, you can go talk about art and impact art in your community. 
There's a parks commission if you're interested in parks and the role they play for your kids. You can talk about parks and how they impact your community. There's a public safety commission that talks about a police department. If you're interested in the fire department, if you're interested in, there's a historic preservation commission. So if you're interested in old buildings and preserving them for future generations, whatever your interest is, there is an area that you can be involved in. And I was thinking about even, those are just the government things and all cities have those. Uh, other organizations, there's like Community Services League, which is a food bank, and they accept donations for you know, clothing. There's Habitat for Humanity. If you like building, you can go build houses for, for people. Uh, there's youth sports leagues. We have a th- uh, Blue Springs Theater League. And so if you're interested in whatever your interest is, there's something out there you can be involved in that you can have an impact. And then on top of that, um, there's a way you can be involved that, that is consistent with your personality. So, uh, you know, my wife and I are obviously different people. That's, that's pretty obvious. We also have different personalities. We respond to people in different ways. You know, my idea of, of a good time is a room full of people that I get to walk around and talk to them all. And that, you know, that's a party to me. And I enjoy that. But for some of you, that is the literal definition of hell on earth. Is being in a room full of people that you have to talk to. And so, and that's fine. That's fine. I, I, I was saying my, my kids were watching uh, Veggie Tales. And uh, they were talking about, you know, you have this gift from the Lord. And they said, well, you know, maybe you can go take your gift back and trade it for a different one. You know, like a gift exchange. You can change your gift for something else. That's not necessary. There are still ways for your gift to be That's involved. Right. Amen. And so, uh, you know, if, if you want to talk to people, if you want to be in a position of leadership, there's opportunities to do that. But if you don't want to interact with a single soul, then, you know, maybe you can just shell food on shelves in the food bank so it's ready to go when they do have people there. Or you can sort clothing by sizes that they had donations for. Or, you know, they're in organizations, they have the uh, position that's an officer still that's called the secretary. And their job is to keep notes that accurately reflect that meeting. And so if you're all about organization and it being, you know, consistent, whatever your personality is, it doesn't have to be this. You don't have to run for office. You don't have to run for Congress to have an impact in your community. You can simply be a volunteer who does something they're interested in, in the way they want to do it, and you still can impact your community. It's that easy. It's that simple. So, and also, something I kind of thought of after first service, and, and I don't know why, but I, I thought about some people are worried about age involved to involvement, whether I'm too young, whether I'm too old, and whether or not I can still be effective. And so I, I thought of two things. First of all, the mayor of Blue Springs is, I, I don't think he'll mind, is 70 years old. Uh, so, I mean, he, and he's been involved a long time. I was elected to the city council when I was 25. So there are, there is, you know, 55 years of involvement right there. Uh, and I specifically thought of the youth because you often think you're too young. And so 1 Timothy 4.12 came to mind. Mm-hmm. And so I thought it was important to say here is, it's don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. That's right. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in, in the way you live, in your love, in your faith, and in your purity. So essentially, you as a young person, and young is older as I get older as well. So I'm going to say young is anybody under 40. Do you want me to up that a little bit? Yes. Anybody under 50? 50. <laughs> young, is, young is whatever you want it to be. Depending on, regardless, even as a young person, you are supposed to be the example to other believers. 
you don't let them uh, think less of you because you're young, because you live in such a way, you can't, there's nothing to say bad about you. You are living in such a way that you are the example to everyone else. Right. So that, I just thought that was an important point, and I don't know why. So that's for somebody in here. Just let me, let me clarify, young is 50 and young under, <laughs> I'm with for you. at least the next three years, okay? So, anyway. I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I can, as I get older, that gets older too, so that's fine with me. <laughs> So, so those are kind of practical ways, but then even once you're there, so once you're involved, you know, I've shown you why you should, what you do once you're there, you know, you're, you're Christ's ambassador, here's some practical ways, uh, but also then once you're there, there, you still have to act like a Christian, you still have to act like Jesus. Please. <laughs> and Dude. there's reasons, there's practical reasons why you do that. It's not just because you are, you are a representation of Christ, but there's really, there's really kind of two, two important ones here. The first one is... You know, Sean talked about if you're in a position of influence, you're going to be making decisions that can impact an entire city or an impact an entire school district or depending, you know, impact a country, depending on what you're doing. And so you want to be making those decisions using godly wisdom. Yeah. And so James 3, James 3.13 really kind of lays out those two different types of wisdom. Uh, James 3.13 says, if you are wise and you understand God's ways, then prove it by living an honorable life. Some translations say, show it by your good life. Uh, doing good works with humility that comes from wisdom. But there's two different types of wisdom. So here's the contrast. If you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover it up by trying to lie about it or to, by boasting. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's type of wisdom. Mm. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But here's the contrast. Here's verse 17. Here's the wisdom from above. It's first of all pure. It is peace-loving, gentle at all times, willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy, full of good deeds, shows no favoritism, and is always sincere. Some translations say it is without partiality and without hypocrisy. So if you are in a position of influence... You uh, First of all, if you're seeking to be in a position of influence, it should be for the right reasons. You're not seeking there because of your own selfish ambition. Or you're not trying to be there because you're jealous that that person has that position and you don't. Because if you seek them for those reasons, it'll follow disorder and evil of every kind. It would also then say, if you see an organization or a country in disorder, then probably the, the leaders there are there for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. But as when you are there, you should be operating under verse 17, the wisdom from above, which right. means it's pure, peace-loving, gentle, willing to yield to others, which means if you are in charge, you're not always concerned about being right. You're concerned about, you're sometimes willing to yield the others because your goal is what we talked about before. Your goal is not to be right. Your goal is to lead them to Jesus. That's right. And that's why you're there. So sometimes you have to be willing to lose knowing that you're playing the long game. And that's a hard concept for us to, to grapple with, but it's consistent with what Jesus preached, that the first shall be last, the last shall be first. It's an entirely different structure to operate under the, the, the biblical principles than to operate how society thinks success is. Uh, society, society thinks being president is the ultimate success. Uh, but sometimes what you gotta take, what you got to do to get there isn't always the right thing. Uh, the other kind of practical reason for that is, um, it protects you. And there's, there's two, two verses that really talk about that. First Peter 2, verse 15 says, It is God's will. We're always looking for what the will of God for is our lives. So here it is. It is God's will that your honorable life 
should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. Amen. And Titus chapter 2, verse 7 says, And you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect integrity and seriousness of your teaching, essentially the gospel. Teach the truth so that your teaching can't be criticized. And then those who oppose you will be ashamed and have nothing bad to say about you. So if not for any other reason, if you just want, don't want to be benevolent and do good things because that's the way you know, you're representing Jesus, do it also because it protects you. Because if somebody is making an accusation against you that is wrong, then they are going to be the ones that look foolish and they are the ones that actually feel ashamed because people know that is not consistent with your character. Right. They know that can't be true about Hunter because I know Hunter and that's not how Hunter is. That can't be true about Dave because I know Dave and that's not how Dave is. And so they actually look foolish and they are actually ashamed when they criticize you because you're living an honorable life. You're living your life by these principles. And then there's no way that they can say anything bad about you. Um, so those are, those are important things. And I, I want to say, um, I'm sure we're getting close to wrapping up here. I want to say, so this, this, this is a passion of mine. This, I like helping people be successful in what they want to do. And so if you are wanting to run for office or you want to get involved, please come talk to me. My, I mean, they can hand out my cell phone if somebody asks for it. It's not hard to find. But, I mean, I'm glad to help you engage in whatever areas. And sometimes I, I do realize, sometimes people just don't know what to do. You just yeah. don't know how. And so I'm glad to be that conduit. Whoa, I feel some strength there. Sorry about that. <laughs> Let me take that. Uh, I'm glad to be the person to help you get involved. So that's all. <laughs> Here you go. Take it home. There it is. <laughs> Amen. Sorry about that. We'll just move this outside. You know, one of the things is that God has called us, every believer, to have influence, to be a leader. And, uh, but it takes us getting out, getting up, and doing it. And um, whether, whether you, you live in Blue Springs or you live in Lisa, it doesn't matter where. I mean, uh, we can help you be a part of that. And, uh, not, and you need to be an influence, not just here, but you need to be an influence out in the community. And I, I believe that, that more than anything, that a lot of the ministry of the local church is not going to be done in the church building. It's going to be done with us, the church, outside in our community. And I want to challenge you to do that. I want you to pray about it. God, where can I get involved? And it may be very just simple. Maybe just you picking up trash in your community and and, and maybe adopting a block of your, of your neighborhood and says, I'm going to take this block, this block is mine, I'm going to meet everybody on my block, and I'm going to serve them, okay? Maybe it's just, maybe it's just uh, uh, mowing your neighbor's yard, or, or maybe it's getting involved in your homeowner's association, or maybe it's uh, getting involved in, in school and the PTA and other things like that, or getting involved in your city. Uh, whatever God leads you, you have a part you have leadership because who's in you? Christ is in you, right? His Holy Spirit's in you. You have the ability to do that. You have the ability to serve. And I want to encourage you to be praying about that and, and to get up this, this year and to start moving forward into what God has for you. If you need help with that, Chris is here. I can help you. Um, we can put you into contact if you're in another city uh, with other, other people in that city that can help you get involved in that way. 
Because this is what I believe God is raising up Daniels and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's to change our area for Him. Amen? And that we're going to see that happen because believers like you and I are no longer afraid of government. We are going to be a part of government. Amen? We're no longer afraid of uh, the lost people in our city. We're going to befriend the lost people in our city. Amen? And we're going to go in and change our surroundings and change the atmosphere because the Spirit of God goes with us. Amen? You guys ready for that? Come on, let's give Chris a hand. Amen?